This week on For Crying Out Loud. You can tell me. Ozzy, by the way, for people that know Adam, they know Oswaldo Castillo. And uh, Adam has not had Ozzy working for us for a while. He's not very good at his job, but he got a SAG card and he's trying to work in the industry. And I guess Adam's working on some project and Adam said he would do voice, I don't know, voice for it or whatever to get him off of his back. And every once in a while, Adam, uh, now and then, Ozzy will knock on the door or, or call. Well, he calls all the time because he wants to work, but Adam ignores him, just like he ignores everybody else. And uh, and on Sunday morning, Adam and I were talking, and we were having all this, like, it, we were in the bedroom, we were, the kids were playing, and we were drinking our coffee, and we were having this, like, long, like, really good talk. And all of a sudden, you hear the, the gate ring. Bring, bring, and somebody's at the gate. Did it ring bring, in an accent? Bring, Yeah. <laughs> I come to tell you, bring, uh, <laughs> I bring some stuff for you guys, for the kids. So Adam, you hear Adam go, hello? And then I hear him go, why are you here? And I think, oh, it's Ray. <laughs> That's how he talks to Ray. And he goes, all right, all right. Look, next time, do me a favor and just call, okay? Hold on. He, like, buzzes him in. I'm like, who is it? And he goes, Ozzy. And I go, well, why don't you tell him this just to go away? And he goes, because he has presents for the kids. <laughs> he throws the phone down. <laughs> He's like, it's fucking Sunday morning. Who the fuck comes to my gate on Sunday morning? Check out an all-new episode of For Crying Out Loud this Friday. Or go to cryingoutloudshow.com. Only from Corolla Digital. This is Corolla Digital. Hello, my little tapioca pearls. It's me, Allison. Before the show officially starts, a few words. One, a special announcement. Um, if you would like some bonus content, a special premium episode of this show, uh, we recorded one live at the L.A. Podcast Festival with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. And that is available um, or should be available very soon in the iTunes store, the uh, comedy album section for $1.99. So go look for that and then download it if you want and love it. Um, also, I believe we have some iTunes comments of the week. Right, Gary? Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments and don't forget to click five stars. All right. Our iTunes comment of the week comes from David Dinsmore III, and it is titled, This Podcast is Absolutely Amazing. Yes, it is. I put off joining the Allison Rosen's new best friend bandwagon until about a week ago. Ever since, I'm listening daily. Allison goes beyond interviewing. Every guest is forced to be extremely personable by Allison's curious interactions. This podcast is an amazing source of food for thought. My favorite podcast of all time and so much more than I thought it would be. Allison is very unique in how she gets into the guest's inner soul. I would never think I would hear people like Jay Moore talk about his personal life for a good hour. This podcast is perfect for young people interested in some serious food for thought that leaves you engaged for the full duration. Thanks, David. You know, it didn't occur to me till right now. Why did he put it off until last week? That's really the unanswered mystery here. It's actually insulting in a way. Not really. All right. Our next iTunes comment comes from Karen JK, and it is entitled Epitome of a Non-Asperger's Woman. Hi, Allison and Gary. As someone sliding down the other side of the chronological life cycle, old woman, you may be surprised 
to know how much I appreciate the podcast. Both of you have been a part of my life for a, for a year. It's a happy moment when I see you've recorded a new episode. Your guests are interesting for the most part. You two always. Gary, you are a sweetheart. You say the right thing at the right time or the right thing at the wrong time. Parentheses regarding Adam because he doesn't leave any room for anyone to talk. So <laughs> it's always the wrong time with him. Allison, you're intelligent, determined, ambitious, clever, and entertaining. Your interviewing you. skills are A+. Thank you. Because you actually listen, you don't waste the guest's time or the listener's time. It's fun and educational. One sign of your moxie and smarts is you listen to and I laugh at all of Adam's jokes. But that's another podcast. Lest your head explodes with ego enhancement, this is all for now. Love you both. I love my moxie and my smarts. I mean, I love that she comments on them. I love them as well. Once again, I'm in that, uh, find myself in that predicament that I find myself in when we do this, which is that I feel that I sound like an asshole gloating over the praise I've received. But what has to be done has to be done, and I'm not one to shirk any sort of iTunes Comment of the Week duty. So, listeners, if you would like to submit uh, an iTunes Comment of the Week or just an iTunes Comment that might be an iTunes Comment of the Week, then leave us an iTunes Comment. Uh, and click five stars, and then maybe we'll read that. And um, and encourage everyone you know, whether they listen or not, to leave us great comments because that helps us uh, stay, you know, up on the iTunes thingamabob. I think that's the technical name. Anyway, also, I wanted to say a few words about some of our favorite sponsors, or actually about our sponsors because they're all our favorites, um, scorebig.com. Okay, let's say you want to go to a sporting event or a concert, musical, a play, any sort of thing like that, and it's sold out, and you're thinking to yourself, but I just know there's seats available because – the truth is there are always seats available when they say the thing is sold out. Um, scorebig.com is where you want to go first to get tickets. It's like Priceline but for event tickets. You set the price and um, they give you the tickets if they can do it at that price. And there's no upcharges. There's no service fees. There's nothing tacked on like some of those other ticket sites where you're like, oh, this is a good price. And then you look at your receipt and you're like, that was not a good price at all. Uh, what you enter in as what you want to pay is what you pay with scorebig.com. And they are adding events all the time in real time. Um, it's really it, it's an awesome service. Gary? Do you want to add anything? Because you're, you're the big sporting fan. Yeah, they're absolutely excellent. I was messing around on the site the other day, and it's really cool. It's like unlike some of their competitors where, you know, people go up and put the prices and, and you pick whether you want it, whether or not you want to do that. And then there's inevitably fees and all this other stuff, you know, associated with it on Scorebig, It's pretty cool because, uh, you just go in and you basically make an offer. Like I'm willing to spend $45 for these tickets to this Dodger game, or I guess this season it would be the Lakers. And if they can do it, then they do it. And if you, you know, bid on two seats at $45 a seat and they accept it, then instantly right there, you're done. Your credit card's charged for $90. And that includes the uh, method of delivery that includes everything so you're uh you're always going to get at least 10 percent below value below uh, face value but oftentimes you can get a lot better than that and they uh they're constantly updating stuff you know up to the minute so if you look for something that you want to go to and it's not there you can check back the next day and there's a good chance it may be Go to scorebig.com and enter the code FRIEND at checkout. FRIEND, because I'm Allison Rosen's junior best friend. Uh, and get an extra $15 off scorebig.com's already low prices for your first order. Tickets on scorebig.com are always below box office price guaranteed. Don't forget to enter FRIEND at checkout and get an extra $15 off scorebig.com's already low prices for your first order. 
Also, let's talk about stamps.com. Uh, if you have a small business, if you do a lot of stuff on eBay, so anything where you are sending a lot of stuff, you need stamps.com because it allows you to save the time that you would spend going to the post office. And uh, and think of all the time that you spend going to the post office. Don't even think about it. It's too depressing, actually. And you don't have to spend it anymore. With Stamps.com, you can print out official U.S. postage on your computer using your printer. Um, with the scale that they give you, you will never pay more than you have to for postage because we talk about it all the time. When I am sending the, – the, in, the, in the old days before I had Stamps.com, when I was sending something, I would always throw on – if I didn't know how much postage to put on, I would always throw on a few extra stamps because the thought of it coming back to me uh, was too much to bear. I was like, I don't want – it's not worth it. I'm just going to put on extra postage. And I would do that every time. I was hemorrhaging money. Well, no more because with Stamps.com, with the scale, you know exactly how much postage to put on your package. Uh, never go to the post office again. Right now, I have a special offer where when you use my name, Allison, it's a no-risk trial plus it's a $110 bonus offer, which includes the digital scale and up to $55 of free postage. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Allison. That's stamps.com. Enter Allison. Um, and as I've said before, these various uh, sponsors, they are tracking who comes to them via this podcast. So that is why you have to use uh, the promo codes that I'm telling you about so that then they'll be like, oh, look. All these people are here from this podcast. That is wonderful. So, you know, if you want to help us out and if you want to use a great product, then, um, you know, you know what to do. Also, go to meeting. Gary and I love this. Uh, in this day and age, you do not have to actually physically meet face-to-face with the people that you work with. And you don't want to because you're busy being other places, getting stuff done, living your life. Perhaps you're in a hammock. You could be at a coffee house, you could be on vacation, you could be on a cruise ship, you could be at some far-flung exotic locale or some boring, mundane local locale such as your home. The point is you don't want to have to haul your buns into the office to meet with your coworkers and you don't have to anymore. You can just meet with them on your computer uh, and you see each other in crystal clear HD quality. You can hear each other, you can collaborate on documents and you can have a go-to-meeting from Citrix uh, on your computer or your laptop or on your iPad. You can actually now host a meeting from your iPad, which is awesome. It is really the way of the future. Yeah, it's it's really cool. That's a new update, the, uh, the fact that you can start a meeting from your iPad. So it used to be that if you wanted to be the host and control everything, you'd have to lug your computer to wherever you were, and then people could join and, and be a part of the meeting from their iPad. But now you can actually just launch the entire thing and have full control, screen sharing, document sharing, mm-hmm. stuff like that, all from your iPad itself. So that's a, that's a big upgrade, and uh, this stuff is is built for business, and it works. I and mean, being able – yeah, being able – Sorry, I cut you off. We'll get back to what you're saying. But being able to see each other face to face as you're talking helps you so much with your meeting as well because there's so much information that you get just from being able to sort of see facial expressions. And um, it makes you feel like you really just hung out. I've, I've said it before and it makes me feel a little bit pathetic every time I say it. But I'm going to say it again. When Gary and I use GoToMeeting afterwards when I go back to just regular email, I feel a little bit lonely. And I think, oh, I want to hang out again. 
on the computer, which actually making coworkers want to hang out with you is um, no small feat. So thank you, GoToMeeting. It's powerfully simple. Start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. My listeners, that's you guys, can try it free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, and use the promo code ALLISON. Be sure to use the promo code ALLISON. And I remind you of what I just said but moments ago, which is, uh, you know, they want to see who comes to them using the promo code ALLISON. So... So do it, you guys. Okay, you guys, this episode, the guest on this episode is, is none other than Paul F. Tompkins. I really enjoyed speaking with him. I enjoyed speaking with him so much that, guess what? This is a special two-part episode. So uh, check iTunes on Thursday for part two. But here is part one. I love you guys, and uh, I will talk to you later. Hey everyone, hi, hello, it's me, Allison Rosen, and welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. My guest today, I'm very excited, it's Paul F. Tompkins. Hello. Allison, hello. Hello. I have never been introduced this quickly on a podcast ever. Really? Yes. I like to get, you know, I used to Why do the th- I used to do the thing where I would make them sit there while I talked about a reaction I had to a song that was playing in the supermarket. For right? real. I really did. <laughs> but then I was like, no, I want their reaction to my reaction. There you and go. then I just thought, let's just bring them in now. You know, right. life Why? short. Yeah, exactly. What are we doing? You drove all the way over here from <laughs> like what, 15 minutes away or are you all the I way across? I live in Alhambra. Town? Oh, no, I'm very close by. <laughs> yeah, but still, you got all dressed up, or is this casual for you? This is, this is I split the difference. I asked the D with uh, a situation <laughs> like this, because I know that people, uh, often uh, a, a photograph will be part of yeah, uh, that's podcast good. posting. A lot of people are surprised when that happens. Oh, yeah, I can't be caught out of my Paul F. Tompkins costume. Do now for anyone who doesn't know, but I feel like if they don't know, then what rock have they been under? But for anyone who doesn't, and they're already bored. <laughs> yeah, I know they're like, I could have used fifteen more minutes about the supermarket song. It was that. Um, <laughs> God damn it! Now I'm forgetting what song it was. Anyway, Gary, do you remember? It happened on the Mark Maron episode. Yeah, I don't remember. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember this. this would have been. Song. I didn't want to derail so quickly. Was it "Old Lang Syne" by Dan Fogelberg? Which, but that one always gets me. That's a quintessential grocery store song. It really is. And no. it's set in a grocery store. I know it's weird. That's yeah. I'm sorry. But but really, what is up with the schmaltzy sentimental music in your CVS or like? I don't want to become. Uh, all introspective and more more introspective and nostalgic than I already am when I'm trying to buy toiletries. Yeah, do you I, know what the why? thing that always why? gets why? me why do do that? that I will never understand? Like I get, I get that they're they're saying we want to have something in here so it's not just the dead air of life and you're walking around the drugstore, right? <laughs> and you're going to kill yourself. Yeah. So we'll put in some music, um, and we have to have something that's as inoffensive as possible, and it's just wallpaper, you know, oral wallpaper. But what I don't understand is when there's like Muzak versions of Billy Joel songs. Mm-hmm. Like what? There's n- he's ready to go. Like there's there's <laughs> nobody that's like, oh, what's this? I oh, I don't need this rock and roll playing while I'm trying to buy my legs pantyhose or whatever. <laughs> right. 
So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just became – now it's just a thing that you expect to hear. And it's weird when you hear uh, like sort of more modern or even slightly edgier fare. Yeah. Well, uh, I remembered. It was Lady Antebellum's Need You Now. <laughs> and it was always playing in Gelson's. And I don't mean to suggest I am a frequent Gelson's shopper, but I did go through a Gelson's phase. I enjoy Gelson's. I do, but it's just – it's um, it's too expensive It is. It's sometimes. very dear, as they say. Do they say that? That's a British thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you travel – Is are there Brits in your circle? No, but I like to pretend that there are. And okay. I, I certainly want people to think that about me. You know, I feel like my British <laughs> references needs a dusting off because I would just go with like boot or lift. And those are – or, or glove box. And those are like right. – that's like – that's like your father's British references. <laughs> now, what you're saying, what I just busted out, these are not your father's British references. They're not. Yeah. They're in your face. They're yeah. extreme. <laughs> you couldn't use these references at a grocery store. You, hell no. People would get upset. Right. Yeah. I know. But anyway, what I, but, but before all that, what I was going to say was, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Paul F. Tompkins is renowned. I would go so far as to say maybe sure, for maybe. always being Natalie dressed. That's kind of a British reference. Yes. Natalie is British, is it not? Uh, a Natty dresser. I think dresser. I bet it is. Natty. He's very Natty. The thing about Natty, and maybe this is cliche, <laughs> is that it sounds like cruddy. I mean, it doesn't I used sound to positive. Think, no, yes. but yeah. it is. Yeah. I used to think that if someone was a Natty dresser, you're uh, that's pejorative. Too close to nasty, yes. perhaps. Why are they so close to each other? I know. They're one letter away from each other. <sighs> Whose fault is it? I'm glad, we, I'm glad we're getting into this and I've been wanting to blow the lid off of it for a long time. <laughs> you do not even know. Anyway, <laughs> you're very well put together. And in fact, you came Thank up you. on uh, a recent episode of my show with Jesse Thorne. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about uh, menswear. And yes. he mentioned he, you he as recently, someone who appreciates <laughs> he, the pocket square. Indeed. He recently got into the schmata business, Jesse Thorne, yeah. um, as, he's, as he's become a man. Uh, he's he's become interested in uh, in men's <laughs> in adult men's clothing. Is that how you define it? I mean, do you just look? Do you just feel like a man among boys? You know, I, it honestly, I don't. I, I feel like what I what I think is great about the time in which we live is that people can dress however they want, and that's kind of the way it should be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I I never ever think everyone should be dressing like me. Um, I wish I lived in the forties or whatever. Right? You know? Like no, I don't. You're not I don't a fashion wear, fascist. No, and and I don't even wear vintage clothes. Like what I what I what I like to wear is stuff that's just like kind of timeless styles. You know, and I. It was a weird thing for me uh, a handful of years ago when I said, okay, I'm getting into my – I'm approaching my 40s. I'm going to start dressing for the rest of my life. I'm going to start wearing like super grown-up clothes. Do you just hate shopping? You're like, I'm going to shop once and be done with it. I d- <laughs> no, it's not, not, it's not like Jeff Goldblum and the Fly <laughs> where I have, <laughs> I have eight of the same thing. Um, no, it's, it's – I still – I really love clothes a lot and I still shop. Probably too much, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I I like I like you know simple stuff, and I also like very unusual stuff. There's not a lot of middle ground with mm. me, but I don't like I don't wear jeans anymore. You know, there was a there was a point where I realized that I'm not a jeans guy, and I don't miss them. And you had know. you been just trying to live in a jeans world before? Uh, every- <laughs> <laughs> I was in a jeans purgatory for quite some time. I'm so sorry. I, I had like a couple pairs of jeans and I would wear them occasionally. And then after a while, it was like, this just doesn't feel like me. And, yeah. you know, I think I look dumb in these. Other people can pull them off, but I'm not one of those people. It's interesting. There are certain people who just don't want to wear jeans. They just say no. And they're the yeah. anomaly as opposed to the fact that the rest of us are walking around in the same kind of pants. 
Right. Well, with but look, jeans have exploded. They sure have. There's a there's you have your choice of jean these days. <laughs> yes, you do. It is not like uh, in Levi Strauss's day. No. <laughs> when or even Mr. Probably, Wrangler. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Joseph Wrangler. Yeah. When he came to this country. From Wranglevania. <laughs> right. With just super thick thread That's right. that was yellow. <laughs> That's right. A grommet and a dream. His enormous pockets. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, but yeah, I, 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 don't, I do not uh, judge other people by the way they dress. So, uh, but, but even, uh, well, this is what I was trying to ask before, though. Mm, and yeah, uh, clearly it's, it's so articulate. It's coming out. It's <laughs> tripping off my tongue. I, sometimes the emotions get all tangled up. And you're exactly. like, how do I get the star? I know, I know. Yeah. So just bear with me, if you will. Of course, I'm not going anywhere, Allison. Would anyone ever see you in a non-Paul F. Tompkins outfit? Because you were joking that you have to dress up because there might be a photo. But yes. I'm saying, is there is there a secret sweatpants F. Tompkins going oh, on? There, I go I go to the gym every day. I go to the YMCA. It says it's as plain as you please, and I wear regular old gym clothes. And when I run into people that I know when I'm in my gym clothes. I have, I have had people that I've known for years walk past me, because they did wow. not. It did not compute in their brains, because <laughs> I like have, you know, a t-shirt and shorts and a ball cap on, mm-hmm. and they just they just walk right past me. Hmm. Yeah. Does that make you feel liberated? In a way. Well, I will. It or depends. invisible. Some, some people I've stopped and said, "Hey, it's me." <laughs> some people have let them go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a very strange thing because. You you're not walking around in your mind thinking I don't look like me, <laughs> but um, but you might not look like yourself. Well, see, interestingly, I went through a phase, uh, or actually, I've spent my life thinking that if I don't have on makeup, people won't won't recognize me. Mm-hmm. Except that now I don't wear makeup a lot more often, so I'm I've been broken of that ridiculous thought. But yeah, I have I've had this silly notion on and off for years that like oh if i have one thing different maybe they won't people won't recognize the people that right. i know um but i think that's silly except here you are and you have changed thing. something yeah well what have i changed well no i mean when you're at the gym oh, you're yes. not wearing your clothes yes, people yes, yes. aren't people are just bl- breezing by you yeah yeah I, the, i've only in my life ever known one woman who looked completely different without makeup who i <laughs> This is somebody I knew a long time ago, and it was astonishing. The, I only ever saw her one time without makeup. She was a performer, and we were at a rehearsal hmm. for the show that we were doing, and I, I could not believe it. I could not believe it. Was like, she someone that you thought was wearing a ton of makeup in daily life, though? I never was it really like thought about thing, it. I knew or? that she wore makeup, and I knew that she liked makeup, and she mm-hmm. liked dressing up fancy and stuff like that, and you know, I liked to have a lot of crazy accessories, and you know, this and that. But I, I never I, – I guess I did not realize how much makeup was going right. on there. Hmm. It was pretty wild. So Paul F. Tompkins. Listen, I'm full of great stories like that. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to get into them. Uh, you're from Philadelphia, uh, yes? Yes, I am. How did you get into show business? But before you answer that, um, what was your family like? I feel like I know this, but I'm forgetting. You probably do – I feel like I've heard it. Is what I'm saying. Everyone's what I mean heard to say. about my family. <laughs> I mean, all your material is based on that, is it not? When <laughs> I'm the family comedian, yeah, that's right. Um, maybe when I was on Adam's show, I, I might have gotten into it. I, I do have. A, I come from a big family. Mm-hmm. I have three sisters and two brothers. 
Um, we were raised uh, Catholic. My uh, father's Irish. My mother's Italian. Um, so it was a big, loud family. Everybody's funny. Um, I'm the only person that pursued that professionally. Um, but we're we're a, a funny group of people. They really make me laugh a lot. Um, and uh, I got into show business. I always wanted to, to do comedy, but I had no idea how to go about it. And a friend of mine who was a couple years older than me had uh, – gone to college in Arizona and started stand up there and he came back and I was graduating high school and he said do you want to get an act together and uh and that was it it, it never like I didn't know I didn't know about open mics I didn't mm. know about anything like that at all and and probably it was better I don't know how long it would have taken me to do it on my own because I was a very fear-based individual and uh it was still very scary to go up for the first time even with somebody else there but it was uh but that was it and then I got hooked on it and and then what happened? Me and that guy were And is that guy some is he still doing it? No, he's he's no longer with us. He oh. he went to we were together for about a year and a half and then as happens with a lot of uh comedy duos, we got sick of each other <laughs> and we split up and then became friends again. Um and then he went on to Chicago to do improv and, and ended up being uh one of the people on the scene uh when the Upright Citizens Brigade was forming. Um and then uh I but I started doing a solo act probably a, a, a month after uh, he and I stopped performing together because uh, I just needed to get back on stage and I just I just loved it mm-hmm. so much. It just felt like, you know, it was one of those things where as soon as I started doing it, I realized, well, this is for the rest of my life. You know, there's, there's no way I can't not do this. And you were, what, like 18 around that time? 17 years 17? old. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow, but but you did have fear surrounding it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, well, I I am a, the only thing that I fear really is uh, the unknown, mm-hmm. <laughs> which covers a lot of things. It really does, unless you know a lot of everything. Yeah, but there's but I've gotten better at knowing. Oh, okay, uh, like knowing that. So any kind of experience or um, you know uh, any any sort of thing like that. Um, that I that I'm going into and I have a lot of fear about it. I realize, oh, it's just because you haven't done this before, and and once you have, you will have done it, and it'll never be that weird again. You mm-hmm. know? Which has, by and large, been absolutely true. <laughs> well, so then it sounds like you have a healthy outlook and you face your fears for the most part. Are there ever times I, may, I try to make myself face my fears? Are but, there ever times where the fear is just too much? And you're like, I don't want to do that. The, yes, and you I, don't. The the human mind is capable of great self-deceit. And I feel like there's many times that I've caught myself, you know, like, oh, I didn't do that because I was too scared to do it. You know, I was afraid of, you know, whatever reaction I was going to get. It comes up a lot in Mm stand-up, you know, where I have to – it's all about – to me, it's all about challenging yourself. And the the only thing that's holding you back from doing that is you're afraid the reaction it's going to get. You're afraid that um, because this is outside of my comfort zone, I won't know how to do it right and then the audience will hate me forever. You know? <laughs> um, but it's it's um, it's in making myself uh, broaden my um, my artistic horizons in that way that I've 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 never regretted. It's always been nothing but good. But it's still it's still a, a, a thing that gives me pause. You know, when I mm-hmm. when I have an idea in my head, and I'm like, how do I? I don't know how to make that funny, so I'm not even going to try. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's 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 a letdown. Mm-hmm. When I when I realize I've been thinking that, so you now what was your first like uh, real showbiz job? 
I know you wrote for Bob and David. And that you was were in it. that, right? Okay. That was it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had been doing um, – I'd, I'd come here in 1994 and uh, had gotten into sketch comedy with uh, a bunch of uh, really creative people who, who arrived here uh, all around the same time uh, from – uh, uh, San Francisco and Chicago and it was people that were improvisers and stand-ups and everybody kind of found each other and, and we were all performing at this place called the Diamond Club on Hollywood Boulevard mm-hmm. which is not it's something else now um, but we were just doing anything we were just it was re- super experimental and and crazy and sloppy and everybody was just doing just ridiculous stuff and how, at that point how did you like improv versus stand-up Improv was still a ways away for me okay. because this was this was, oh, was written sketch, yeah, written and rehearsed, and you know, um, and that was a, and that was new to me at the time, and that was something that I loved. Like I grew up on, um, you know, certainly SNL and Monty Python, but SCTV was my favorite thing in the world. Like nothing made me laugh like that. Did Rich Hall come out of that? Or no, he was no. not necessarily the news. Yes, right? and then okay. he went on to do SNL. Um, for for a little bit, um, and then became an expat, like lives in mm. London or something, and you know. I was a Sniglets fan back in the day. Who wasn't? <laughs> I feel like they're yeah, you're right, but I feel like Gary. Does Gary know what Sniglets are? I do not know what a Sniglet is. Get out a of lot my of face. Peop- a lot of people don't. I know. A lot of people it's don't. Sad. Yeah. I. Let's keep it our secret. <laughs> I did. Sh- it's our secret out. <laughs> okay. You, Gary, you have to cut this part out. That's right. We can't let people know about Snickers. And then destroy I'll, I'll it. I'll get it out. I'll, Thank I'll you. get it clean. Thank you very much. I'll get it clean. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I started doing sketch stuff and that led to uh, a sketch show that I did with uh, Jay Johnston, who was another Mr. Show guy, um, led us to get hired on that show. And uh, that was my first big break. And, and uh, I, I still remember how freaked out I was by – the idea that it was happening like mm-hmm. you know bob and dave took us out to dinner to say they wanted to hire us for the show and uh and so they they opened with that and then we started talking about sketches you know like plotting out the season and i was like losing my mind i was like did this is this really happening or i i didn't know if i should believe it or not because it couldn't be that easy mm-hmm. you know um and i i i will just never i don't i don't know that i've ever had an experience like that since that's comparable to that where I was just – it was just pure emotion. Just like I was losing my mind and I had to sit there and pretend like this was all normal, you know. But yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was an amazing night. And how old were you at that point? that point, I was 25 or 26, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And then what was the next big thing? Was it like Best Week Ever or – Let me – there was a few things in between. I did, um, I did a couple of pilots. Oh, I did a sitcom for a year. Um, called Dag, David Allen Greer and Delta Burke. We love Dag. Here. No, yeah. oh, you mean the person, not the sitcom. Oh, we might love that, but we. I meant David <laughs> Allen Greer. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he, yes, he was. I don't know how I feel about the sitcom. No, you probably know that you have no feelings about it because you probably did not see it. Exactly. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no shame in that. It, it came and went very quickly. I don't even know if all the episodes aired, um, but that was. A great experience. I'd never done that before. It was a multi-camera sitcom, and it was nothing but fun. And you were you were. I was one, one of the, the regulars. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was a blast. And I made friends for life. And you know, it was that schedule is the best. Where 
you go in and you you know read the script one day and you rehearse a little bit knowing that oh, things are going to change so we don't have to get married to anything. Uh, rewrites come in and you kind of block and rehearse um, all week long and then Friday comes and you do a show in front of a live audience and it's it's a it's a blast. It's like doing a little play every mm-hmm. week and you know. And it's nice, and you get to have a you get to be home for dinner, you know, f- four nights out of five, and it's um it's really amazing. So that was that was my next big thing, and then um, after that, I think another couple pilots. I did a a sketch show called Kelsey Grammer Presents the Sketch Show, which was based on a British show, and we shot it in London. It was me and Marilyn Rice Cub um, from 24 and uh, <laughs> Caitlin Olson from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and uh, uh, an actor called Malcolm Barrett who was on – I don't know if he's on a regular thing these days. He was on Better Off Ted, a short-lived uh, ABC sitcom mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and a British guy named Lee Mack, very funny comedian. And that was a crazy experience. Spent two months living in, in London and working on this really insane show that just – was it was so British that it just because <laughs> it, it was all it was all one line. Well, it was all like blackout gags, you know. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like a quick setup and then a punchline and then usually a pun, which was really tough for me because I'm not a fan. Um, and then on to the next thing. It was it was like there was almost a laugh in kind of thing, like mm-hmm. really quick, quick bang, 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 bang. Did you think it was funny? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's coming through. I just want to make I sure didn't. I'm reading that correctly. <laughs> what's What's really strange is you can one can develop a sort of Stockholm syndrome about the project that they're working on because it's it's um. It's a survival technique. Mm-hmm. Um, it also helps you do a better job because you want to believe in it. Believe in it, yeah. You know, you, so you find something to say. You know what? This isn't that bad. Um, and actually, this is good. What we're doing in this, but this, this was just like stuff that it was so outside of the stuff that I thought was funny, and uh, and it just this was just, Kelsey Grammer, or was that that was his production company? Oh, okay, yes. Hence the Kelsey Grammer presents very grand title. I thought maybe he was actually hosting it, but in the British way, presenting it. No, he was in – I think he was in the first episode and he was in the last episode Um, and that was it. And we actually – we shot – we shot in London for two months and then came home and then the next day we had to be um, on a lot here in Los Angeles at 7 a.m. to reshoot some of the sketches – uh, with Mr. Grammer because he he hadn't decided yet which sketches he wanted to appear in and so he he uh, left it until then. So <laughs> you know, coming back from a transatlantic flight, yeah, you know, it would have been nice to sleep in on right. that day. But um, but, but we we got up you. and reshot some sketches we'd already done with Kelsey Grammer. Sounds uh fun. Now, do you happen to remember? You know what though? I gotta say, it still was fun. Like I still look back at that experience. With nothing but fondness, and I'm so grateful that I had that experience. Mm-hmm. Like as much as I can give Kelsey Grammer a hard time for making us get up so early the day yeah. after we got back from London, it was uh, again like great people, and uh, I got to live in London for two months, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's and now I got a story to tell about this dumb sketch show <laughs> that I was in. Do you happen to remember an example of any of the puns? Oh, absolutely. Oh, good. Here is one. I don't know if this counts as a pun. It's sort of a visual pun in a way. I'm sitting at a uh, at a diner counter and I'm having a cup of coffee and I have two huge black eyes. 
And uh, it's funny already. Yes, the, the my uh, cast member Malcolm, uh, my castmate is sitting next to me, and he says, "Hey, were you in a fight?" And I say, "No, my dad's a panda." The <laughs> end. That was the sketch. <laughs> that was the sketch. That is uh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. So it was just like fa- like fast one liners yes. like that. Yeah, yeah. The, and occasionally it just like a lot of setup of production absolutely. for each thing. Yes. Oh, yes, it was. And we <laughs> burned through this material so quick, like the original material from the British show, because their their TV seasons are six episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, so we burned through all of that stuff. And there was a, there was a few things that were just like, can we not? Let's not do this one. Though. <laughs> Um, and then there like was stuff the, that just But didn't... then we're going to have a hole of 30 seconds. Yeah, oh, 30 seconds. And then there was other stuff that just didn't make sense to American audiences and there was no way to adapt it. So then we started writing our own sketches and writing in that um, in that style was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And the only pr- – and I mean it was tough because uh, we were all – by the time we started writing our own stuff, we were all exhausted because the schedule was pretty – uh, brutal because there were so many setups that we were shooting. It was like you were rushing around all the time and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, it was long days and, and then we'd be shooting on location and we'd be like on the beach in the rain and pretending that it was sunny out and you know stuff like that. Um, so by the time it was, okay, we need more material. So if you want to write stuff for yourself, um, because Lee Mack, uh, the British guy, he had all these longer sketches that were like these character pieces for himself that he did. Um, and none of us had any of those, you know. And towards the end, it was just like, I can't think of I can't think of a long form sketch. All I can think of is this stuff. <laughs> right. So we would write more of this stuff. And they would say, well, we have the submarine set uh, all built. So if you have any more submarine sketches, <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm going to crank out some submarine sketches. The you good know. thing is if you don't use them on that show, you can always just keep them and use them on something <laughs> else, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was um, it was an experience. It was it was a rich experience because mm-hmm. it, it encompassed everything. It sounds like. And, and then what? That was 2004. And then I think, after, yeah, then it was I, – I had started working on Best Week Ever – Already in the in the multi panelist format that it started out mm-hmm. with, and in, in fact, did I, I participated in an episode from London, and then um, uh, and then I think I did another pilot in between uh, Kelsey Grammer presents and and uh, and when Best Week Ever changed their format to the to the hosted format, and then that's when I uh, took over. Yeah, and how did that work? Like, how did you become the main guy? Uh, it, thanks to a couple of the writers who really liked me a lot. Um, they had been looking to make a sort of companion piece to Best Week Ever, and, and uh, uh, they assigned these two people to create the pilot. Because in those days, it was all about um, – the, the the corporate mandate was vertical integration. Mm. We're going to – and it still kind of is, although they don't – I think they're too embarrassed to use that term anymore in front of uh, other people. But um, – <laughs> It's all about we got to get people to go to our website. So this was going to be a show that would uh, 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 come after Best Week Ever, and then uh, you know somehow through jokes we're going to drive people to the VH1 website, and you know, um, and the, the and the show and the website would be linked together. So mm-hmm. uh, it was going to be like iCarly. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is exactly like iCarly. Integrated it's show. The ver- it's the most vertically <laughs> integrated show. It's just a line, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> exactly like iCarly. Um, and we were ahead of our time. This is, really, yeah. This was when iCarly was just a gleam in Nickelodeon's eye. Um, we uh, uh, so we did this. We did this pilot, and um, uh, then whoever was in charge of VH1 at the time. Uh, or Viacom or whoever desperately wanted this thing to happen said, oh, just make that the show. That should be because – because Best Week Ever's ratings, um, you know, always kind of stayed in the same place. And they were like, we might as well shake it up. And so they made me the host of Best Week Ever. Um, that must have been exciting. It was absolutely thrilling. Absolutely thrilling. And uh, uh, I, I couldn't believe that it was happening and, and it seemed like this is going to be a perfect – uh, situation because I've already been a part of the show and I get to move to New York City and and uh, uh, I get to work with um, these people that uh, that I know and like and they're big fans of mine so this is going to be great and and assuming well like everyone that works there is a big fan of mine right they must be or they wouldn't this wouldn't yeah. be happening certainly you know? it's unanimous yes and then realizing it was it, honestly it wasn't even about me it was about people. A lot of people that worked there didn't like the change in format. Some mm-hmm. people were all on board with it and they were excited about the new direction. And some people didn't like things changing for them. And they were like, oh, I just wish it was the old way, you know. Did it, was it that there was suddenly more work for them or different work or was I it strictly? I think it was different. Okay. I think it was that it was different, you know. And it, it had gotten into – I mean that show in the old days – was kind of put together, honestly, in the editing room. You know, it really was mm. who said the shortest, pithiest thing that we can, you know, so we can fit um, all of the jokes on this package in before the break, you know. And uh, and then it changed. It was a, it became a much more written show. Mm-hmm. And then I think that things were, uh, problems arose that just hadn't been problems before, you know, and rewrites happened that weren't asked for before. And, you know, um, it was... Um, it was it was not as smooth a transition as I assumed that it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And how long did you host it? For a year. Oh, For it was a only year. a year. Yeah. I thought it was longer. No, just a year, just, just a year. year, and then it was all over. And then it it because it seems like <clears throat> when Best Week Ever ended, it, like it seemed like it was sort of on, I don't know. Okay, on the bubble is a phrase that I do not quite understand what it means, and yet I'm going to use it anyway. Right. Uh Gary and I have had discussions of the phrase on the bubble and Have you reached any conclusions? I think he he thinks he knows what it means. <laughs> and I think he probably does, but I don't think it has to do with level. <laughs> do you okay. mean if a television show is perfectly uh situated on the ground? <laughs> like is it is yeah. it on where is the bubble coming from, you know? I think the idea is that Gary, would you like to say I, well, I, I think what Allison was alluding to was my my argument was that it's like a level on, you know, like a like a carpenter's level if, you know, when it's right in the middle. So if it's on the bubble, it's right in the middle. It's, you know, it could go either way. No. Okay. On the bubble <laughs> refers to uh, the fragility of that show's existence. You do not want to be ah. on any bubbles because a bubble could pop at any moment. Well, then why? That makes way more sense. Yeah. Why? Why? It, on God's green earth, is it not on a bubble? Why is that the bubble? I th- mm, that's a good question. I th- that's right. <laughs> I don't mean to I bring my investigative sounds... journalism chops to this show. Look, but... you're a regular David Gregory over there <laughs> holding my feet to the fire. 
right? I think it's because it's more definitive and it sounds more – it sounds less celebratory. <laughs> yeah. On a bubble, it's almost right. like, I'm on a cloud. Yeah, you're you right. Know, like, we're having some champagne. You're on the bubble. Yeah. Oh, you this know, makes yeah. so much sense because – see, we were also talking about the fact that it's often used in showbiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is it ever used out of show In business? sports, it's used as well. Oh, okay. And I think maybe in gambling. Mm. That, that now we're just I'm just mentioning things that came up in my internet search of on the bubble, but I forget basically what it said. I just right. know that it, sports and gambling also use it. When Maybe it's they, a different bubble. When do they use it with sports? With sports, it's like if it, it, it like refers to getting into the playoffs and stuff like that. Like if a team is on the bubble and it's it's not there, they don't control their own fate. It's whether another team wins or loses. Yeah, that makes sense too. That's that's slightly different, but it's the same. But idea. I think your popping analogy still works yeah. because well, the bubble could pop and it's not up to you. Yeah, the exactly. up, but when's the bubble ever not going to pop? In that, I mean, imagine. Okay, imagine. Just imagine you're standing on a bubble, the bubble, right. Right, right, if right. you will. You're never getting off of it. But a bubble uh, can rise and rise and rise until it's so high that when it pops, it's out of view and uh. everything's fine. So, like a show, you know, a show that's a long-running show mm-hmm. might. Uh, well, hold on a second. Now we're getting lost in this because a long-running show is not on the bubble <laughs> because it's it doing be. fine. Yeah. Um, but yes, a bubble. Uh, yes, a, 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 in our in, a, for our purposes, mm. a bubble always. Thank you pops. for grounding this. Or yeah. My, well, my, I don't well, know. So you then know this actually I mean. works. I thought Best yeah. Week Ever was on the bubble. <laughs> now I hate the phrase for a while, right? Meaning that the ratings were just kind of they were I okay. Had, they were acceptable. W- what I mean by that is. In, it wasn't like all of a sudden to me, knowing people like working in the industry, but not being you know right there. Right. Uh, it wasn't like all of a sudden it was gone. It was like I had heard that it might be gone, or it might be there. Or it oh might be yes, gone or it might be there. Like, they there never, was a lot of. They never said that. I don't think they ever said that it was canceled. Okay. I don't think they ever. They told us privately, like, yeah, this is the end. Right. You know, but they they never made an announcement that said best week ever is canceled. It's it's on hiatus. Mm-hmm. And um. So apparently it's coming back from hiatus and they're rebooting it. And, and yeah, Currently, you mean? Yes. yes that yes, I have yes, heard. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it's back from vacation. Right. Yes. Are you involved in the, the redo of it? No, I am not. Okay. Then that makes me happy that I auditioned and didn't get it. No. <laughs> you auditioned and did not get it? Mm-hmm. Want to know why? Why? And with, with the caveat that as I'm saying this, I feel like maybe I shouldn't be saying this. This might go the way of that other thing we had to cut out earlier. We Actually... We didn't. We joked we were going to cut something out. We it wasn't didn't because of cut Anything out? That wasn't what? a joke to me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I. Uh, they wanted more like set up punchline, set up punchline, and I'm a little too cerebral. I think yeah. is the nice word. Yeah, yeah. That they used for it. I think they learned their. Maybe they learned a lesson from the last time, which is they. You were allowed to, as a panelist, you were allowed to kind of meander until you found your joke mm-hmm. because it. Here's why. It didn't make any difference. Like I would go in there prepared, stuff written down, like ready to go, pithy, perfect little things and uh, and feel really good about it. Like I, I'm, I'm one of the regulars on the show and I just – I really delivered solid um, – all this stuff is ready to use. And then I would find myself hardly in the show and then there would be stuff on there that's like some people that uh, they're barely even jokes, you know, but um, – for whatever reason that fit their time frame or mm-hmm. their wh- however they wanted to mix it up or whatever so then it's like well i'm not going to 
for the amount of money that I'm getting paid and the amount of exposure that I may or may not get, I might as well just have as much fun as I can going in. So then I went back to, you know, just kind of riffing and finding it in the moment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and... Uh, you know uh, that was that was my method. That was other people's method. I know for sure. But now I'm sure that they're saying, "Well, we're not going to fall prey to that again." You well, know? at least not in the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, like, that was kind of the well, sense was, you yes. know, we like her, but yeah. Now, granted, this is all coming through my agent, who is putting a positive spin on it. For all I know, they're like Allison. Bleh! No, I, I would I would not it doubt at a all. Bunch of bubbles uh, that I was standing on. Oh, like, you didn't use that term in there, did you? No, I didn't. No, I, I wasn't sniglets? ready. No. no, I feel like I should have, just to show that I can speak to the youth that's the, now old. The youth of 1982. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I didn't make any Sniglet reference. For anyone who doesn't know, I feel like we just need to break it to them. Let's, it'll just, yes. I don't want, Let's break it to them. I don't want this episode to be about Sniglets as opposed to about Paul F. Tompkins, you know? I'm preventing Sniglets from upstaging you. Could you title it the episode Sniglets and then parentheses Paul F. Tompkins? So tempted. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't be upset if you did. And then if I ever got Rich Hall to come into this country and be on this show, it would be like I had started planting the seeds. (laughs) Anyway, Sniglets are uh, made up words, like things that need words to describe them, but there is no word for them. And I think Sniglets was the term for on shoelaces, the hard little things. Aglets. Aglets? Ag- that's, those are called aglets. In real life? Yes, in real oh, life. Oh, well, they're called sniglets and sniglets. How dare you? I'm sorry. No, I mean Rich Hall. Yeah. How do dare your, you? Do your research, pre-internet comedian. And then the, also wondrousside is when you spread cold butter on uh, bread and it like <laughs> that's a good one. gets holes in it. Here's the one I remember is uh, Cheetle, which yes! is the residue that's left on that's your fingers right. after you eat Cheetos. That's right. Guys, and listen, lo- young people, look this stuff find up. Find them. It came in those books. I don't even know if they make books in this shape anymore. Those rectangular <laughs> Rec- yes, paperback long. books. Sort of yes. like your Garfield comics might have, if you exactly. got them in book form. Exactly. Also in that shape. Yes. Do they make that shape book anymore? I feel like it's I would, hard to I would, find one I would of those. wager that they still do. I feel like I've seen it not too long ago, like All at right. a bookstore counter or in somebody's home. I stand corrected then. I, look, I, that is by no means a definitive statement. Do not hold me to that. Uh, uh, look, I know I have to be crystal clear on the record on this show. Listen, if I go into a bookstore and I don't find any books that are that shape, I'm going to take a photo of every single shelf <laughs> from two angles <laughs> All right. and send it to you. All right. I like that the burden of proof is on you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, it would have to be. Um, no, wait a minute. Hold on a You're second. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you should have to go to the bookstore. That would, it would save a lot of I will say the burden of proof info. is on me, but the burden of disproof is on you. Hmm. Okay. I can agree to that. <laughs> I can agree to those terms. So is Best Week Ever the thing that you are most recognized for? Because what always surprises me about those shows is like in everyone weird, yeah. watches them. In, in a weird way, I don't think that it is. I don't know. It's it's kind of a mishmash of Best Week Ever and Tenacious D and Mr. Show and mm-hmm. you know it's um it's all the stuff that still exists, um, uh, especially Tenacious D and and Mr. Show in in DVD and and YouTube clips and stuff like that. You know, so that um, Best Week Ever. I, I think I don't know how much that raised my personal profile it's hard to it's hard to say because i i don't feel like i hear it 
that often. You know, usually people say to me, uh, you know, if I meet people after a show or something, I've been a fan of yours since Mr. Show or whatever. The most thing, honestly, the, the, the thing that I get the most is mm-hmm. from podcasts. That's great. Honestly, that's what it is. Like I, more than more than ever, people come up to me if I do a live show somewhere, and I meet um, uh, people from the audience afterwards. They will say, "I first heard about you on you know Never Not Funny or Comedy Bang Bang or something like that." And it's 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 more than anything now these days. And is it from like do they do the thing where they hear you talk and then they're like, "Wait a minute, are you?" Or do you think they visually know what you look like before? No, I think it's people that got turned on to me through this and mm-hmm. then looked up my stuff and then um, at some point did some sort of Google search mm-hmm. about what I look like. Right. Uh, there has been the occasion where someone someone came to see a show of mine in Charleston, South Carolina, and I got to the venue before it opened. And so I had to wait for somebody to come unlock the door. And so some audience members uh, jo- joined me. And we were sitting, waiting for the door to open. And so I'm talking with this couple. It's a, it's a man and a woman. And um, they at some point referred to me in the third person. And I thought it was odd. And then it happened again. I was like, you know that that's me, right? Because <laughs> they were asking me. It was sort of like they were, they, were, they were talking to me as if we were all on the same page that we were going to see mm-hmm. Paul F. Tompkins. And uh, the <laughs> – the woman said, oh, my God, no, I, I had no idea what you look like. I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours. And she said she loved my podcast, you know, but I, I had I had no idea what you looked like. And then the guy said, and I have night blindness, <laughs> so <laughs> your face is just a blur uh, to me. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, How so that was a new one that? on me. I, I loved it. I was <laughs> delighted. No, I'm just th- I'm just saying in the moment when someone tells you they have night blindness. Yeah, that was that was a new one on me because yeah. I've never been sure what I've heard of that, but I've never been sure what you can or cannot see when right. when when, now you when know. the night descends <laughs> exactly. and your vision is robbed from you. I wonder if he gets up really early to make the most of the daylight. Speaking of, I was listening to your the Pod F Tomcast, mm-hmm. which I love the name. Thank you. Did that just pop into your head, or what's the story with that? It was a variation on something that my wife came up with after Best Week Ever got canceled. She said, you should have your own – you should get another show like that on another network and call it Pop F Culture with Paul F. <laughs> Tompkins, and I, which I really liked a lot. That, st- that stuck with me. And then when I started the podcast, uh, I just switched it up a little bit. Mm, well, I was listening to Pod F. Tomcast and Jen Kirkman was talking about how she belonged to a pool. Yes. And there was a whole story which was very funny and which I related to a lot. But here's the part that I couldn't get past. She goes to the pool at 9 a.m. I was like, that just sounds early to it's me. It's early for a pool. Yeah. It's early for a person yeah. if you're me. That Have I, I just become super lazy? I mean, I realize a lot of people are up that early. I'm not. I don't – I mean, I get up early, but I – it doesn't seem pool? like a fun time to go to the pool. No. I don't know. What I guess her point was that hardly anybody's there, mm. and that's why it's an ideal time. But it still seems a little – yeah. I don't know. I wish I could be the kind of person who would like get up before everyone else and do stuff and take advantage of like I just feel like, you know, the earth is mine at this time. But I I'm not. It's a good feeling. What time do you typically rise, may I ask? Yes, you may. Um I normally get up between nine and ten. Okay, that's not bad. What time do you get up? I am in the habit of rising at six AM. Oh look at you. And here's what I do. Okay. I have the house to myself while my wife is still asleep. Which I kind of love. There's something that's very homey and secure feeling about that. Mm-hmm. That 
she is uh, tucked away in the bed, and then I'm sort of watching over the house. Sometimes I feel that way because she she also goes to bed before I do. <laughs> she likes to sleep. Okay, I see. I like that. She loves it, and she's but how many hours she's does she get a night to do it? She, I, she gets typically eight hours, um, but she I think she's not asleep the whole time I'm up in the morning. I think she's she's waking up and then she lays in bed for a little bit. But mm-hmm. I rock it out of bed as soon as I wake up. Right, to guard the house and her. Yes. That's exactly right. From morning intruders. Right. That's when they usually intrude. Yeah, from these crooks who are trying to rob us on their way to the pool. Exactly. Um, so I will get up at 6 and uh, have my breakfast and, and uh, watch the news. And then, um, and then I'll go to the gym and then she'll be awake when I, by the time I get back. And she's having her breakfast and coffee and everything. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I never used to be – I mean certainly – being a comedian, I was never a morning person. Um, and then I got into the habit of it, uh, I, guess when I, I guess when I started working on Best Week Ever, um, was the first regular gig that I had after I started exercising. And it was just a necessity of like, if I want to get this in before I go to work, I'll have to do it. Um, and uh, it, didn't, it didn't make any difference because I was stress eating so much at the time mm. that uh, – I was uh, putting back the calories yeah. you were burning up in the morning. That's right, and, and then some. <laughs> and then I was still making myself get up in the morning and be miserable. And I was not going to a pool. Um, what gym I, were you going like to? It. I used to live in New York. There was Maybe I, I had one gym. of those buildings that had a gym. Oh, in the, in the basement. you lucky. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Actually, maybe not because that's kind of like a prison gym situation. If it's in the basement, it could be in a weird way. You are at the mercy of. Uh, you know the other people in the gym. Oh, I wasn't really referring to rape. I Nor was, just, was I. Okay. <laughs> I well, did not mean. To, I did not mean to tell a story that did not happen to me. Um, <laughs> I, more, more in terms of <laughs> some people uh, might uh, crank that music up to an insane yes. degree. You know, and I just meant the windowless sort of uh, oppressive, small. Yeah, but most situation. like you know, most gyms are kind of. You're lucky if you can get near a window. Right? I mean, there's... there's well, lot- I... The shitty gym I belonged to in New York first was called Synergy. And... <laughs> what a great gym name. Vertical integration was taken. <laughs> so... Um, As was Snicklet's. Yeah, exactly. Snicklet's gym. That'd be fun. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I, would go, I would go to that gym. No, Do you have a little weight doodads or whatever? Like, there'd be names for all those things. Um... And all the, like, elliptical and treadmill machines were in front of these big picture windows. Right. The kind of gym where when you're walking by, you yes. look up and you're like, who are those people who are all working so out? So you're up a level. Yes. Yeah. And then... Um, Which I think is designed to make the people down below feel bad. I think so. That they're supposed to see, like, oh, look, those people are doing it. Right. Yeah. And then New York Sports Club. And that also had the window situation. But not all right. of them did. But yeah. then uh, the few gyms that I've been to in L.A., not they don't have the big windows. No, they have the more prison style gym minus the rape because we're that's not, right. not what we're talking about. This is someone else's story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, at the Y that I go to, there's one. I think there's one big window, and it's one of those. Uh, it's a studio room where they have exercise classes, and it's always some weird dance thing. Mm. You know, it's always like it's belly dancing or it's right. There's a name, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, there's always some. What is that? I'm trying to remember the name of that, uh, like, 
dancing workout thing that I did a couple times that then I was like, I'm not even breaking a sweat. I'm just too good. I'm simply too good for this. What the hell? There's like some Middle Eastern dancing that happens during it. It's really, it's, it was like something that everyone was, not, not right. Rumba. Zumba. Thank you. Was it really called Zumba? Zumba. Wow. It sounds like Roomba. It does. But it's just where it sounds like, like you're, menopausal ladies. You're acting like a Roomba in a out. zoo. <laughs> yes. Mimic the actions. <laughs> But uh, that could be a thing because remember they were doing like the firefighters workout. It yeah. was they were just taking people's jobs and making right. it into a workout. Ooh, sh- what would a podcasters workout be? <sighs> You're looking at it. <laughs> well, okay, so you you obviously like lost a bunch of weight at some point yes. and got all fit as a fiddle. <laughs> there, thereabouts. <laughs> I don't even you know what does that mean when you think about it? I know what that means, but our fiddles particularly. Oh, I guess because it's like the hourglass kind of. I think it also has to be uh, the structural integrity of the fiddle um, has a bearing on its sound. Mm. And so if you were fit as a fiddle should be. (laughs) That's why they call me Stradivarius because I know what that expression means. It's actually kind of a waste of a nickname. (laughs) There's other people that would probably be better served. Right. So when did this happen, this uh, whole new you? When did you turn (laughs) over the leaf? It's been a work in progress. It's been a gradual thing. When I was working on Mr. Show – um, that was my first first time working in an office like that, in a creative office. And I didn't realize the level of anxiety and the availability of carbs. sugary snacks and carbs um, at the same time. And it was crazy. And I gained a bunch of weight. And at, my, at the height of it, I was a little over uh, 200 pounds, mm. which – and I should point out, I'm not – uh, six foot two. You, so, but you have a six foot two bearing <laughs> <laughs> and carriage. Look, I wasn't fishing, but I like what I caught. <laughs> what I'm saying is that's a are lot you? of weight on a guy my size. How tall um, are you? Do five you... nine. Okay. Yeah, that's too much. So I I have been gradually winnowing myself away until this year. Um, I I I gotten tired of. Losing weight and then gaining a little bit back. I was just like, I'm just, I just got to do this. I just got to do this. And I did a, a, um, a very uh, healthy, uh, regimented diet and I exercised every day and I lost 25 pounds. And that, the lesson I learned from that is that's the way it's got to be. <laughs> is that if you want to. Painful wanna, and yeah, uh, disciplined. Yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be so painful because I did get to the point where I actually. I got to that thing that you hope you will get to is that after I went to the gym, I felt good, mm-hmm. you know, that it, I felt like, yes, I really did something and I have energy and, you know, and food has always been a weird thing for me. And I made my – after I quit smoking in 2006, I made myself like vegetables. Like I made myself eat and develop a taste for healthier foods because mm-hmm. I just couldn't live the way that I was living. And so now it's not so bad. You know, now it's like it's a man- – I feel like I'm at a manageable weight where – if I gain a couple pounds, it's not the end of the world. I can take it off easily. And that's kind of the idea is mm-hmm. that stay kind of in this range and you you will not hate yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say food has been a weird thing for you, what do you mean? I was a picky eater when I was a kid. And then as I got older, there was nobody stopping me from being that way. So I just ate horribly, just horribly. It was meat and potatoes, sandwiches all the time, you know, never a green vegetable. And I was drinking like a ton of beer and then um, I just, uh, you know, gradually settled down and, and gave more thought to um, taking care of myself, mm-hmm. you know, because it really started with the smoking. When I when I I'd smoked for almost 20 years 
And then I got to that point, a lot of people do, where it's like, this is gross and I don't – I can't even pretend to like it anymore. Yeah. How do I make this go away? And I read this book called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking, which is – it's just all repetition. It probably uses hypnosis techniques. But the thing that really got me was that it was just common sense. Like in the opening pages of the book, it's like, you don't like smoking and you can't pretend that you do anymore. I was like, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> you know, it's and, like, am I right, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> They should do that, like those books they make for kids yeah. with the kid's name. Yeah. <laughs> they should make a book like that for adults to help them quit stuff. <laughs> but it, it was it was really effective because it really – it was exactly where I was, like saying like you started smoking because you thought it looked cool. I was like, <laughs> is, that, yeah. is that why you did it? Yeah, of course. That's yeah. why anybody starts smoking. It's gross. Like you – the because – and it's in the book. Like the first time you smoke a cigarette – Nobody's response is this is the best. No, you cough. Yeah, it's horrible. And you it's hope your horrible. parents don't hear. Yes, it could not. This thing could not be telling you more. You do not want to get <laughs> right. involved with this. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that that when I kind of realized that, like, oh, I don't need this to be a part of my life anymore. That opened up the door in my mind. Like, oh well, maybe there's other things that I could do to take care of myself and not mm-hmm. actively kill myself. And so, are there any things now that you're like? And the next thing is, I'm going to stop. I don't know what it could be, but or are you perfect? No, I am not perfect, but I the 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 I think what it comes down to for me is um just make an effort and just, you know, try to try to be mindful of the stuff and, you know, and it's not like I never indulge in any way. I absolutely do. But it is like realizing as Cookie Monster says, mm. this is a sometimes activity, not an every time activity. I didn't know Cookie Monster said that. Yes, Cookie Monster. I think this was about uh, f- five, ten years ago. Cookie Monster had to point out to kids, mm. look, even though I'm a monster who thrives on eating cookies. Like well, I one need would them say to it live. defines him. This yeah. is how much of a monster I am. I eat cookies exclusively. Cookie Monster had to say on the air, cookies are sometimes food. They're not an all-the-time food. Hmm. So sometimes you have cookies, and it's great when you do. But look, guys, you're not monsters. You're human beings. I'm a monster. (laughs) But then it's a double-edged sword because, well, first, you know, kids are emulating him because he's a fun guy. Yeah. Then he's pointing out I'm a monster. Don't do what I do. It's like, should I even listen to you? Right. What are you trying to do, monster? shaking my faith. Now I feel like I should eat. All these cookies because somehow you're afraid yeah. that the, we're at peak cookie and this is going to affect you and your kind. Right. Why didn't they think about that? How, now, how did you, you don't have kids, right? No. How did you catch this? <laughs> I don't mean this. I have nothing against kids. It, it amuses me to say it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it might have been. It might have been a thing from Best Week Ever. Oh, I don't, I don't that know. would make sense. I don't know how I have that knowledge, mm-hmm. but boy, it's in there. <laughs> so why do you hate children? I think it's because <laughs> they have no boundaries. Um, I actually – I'm very fond of kids, but I, I, I got my personal act together, I feel like, a little late in the game to uh, become a father at this point. So you, you are uh, not going to have kids I don't. I don't think so. It's a, it's a thing. My wife and I got married both being on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. And I think we're kind of on the other side of the fence at this point. But every once in a while, she will say, um, and she'll ask it like this. Should we have kids? <laughs> now, that doesn't <laughs> seem like someone whose clock is ticking, right? No. Yeah. That more seems like someone is hoping that the other person will say no. Yeah. Um, but every once in a while, 
she will say, let's have kids. And then it never lasts. Like then we then we talk about it further and then it doesn't come up again for another like six months or something. Mm-hmm. But she'll see me the way I light up around babies because I love babies. I think babies are hilarious. And I, I, I love people's baby pictures. I never get tired of it. And I want to say – I'm going to throw this out to all Instagram users. Here's what I want less of. I want don't less, say puppies. I want less of your sandwiches. Oh, yeah. And I got to say – don't, I, I can do with a little less of your dogs. Oh, Puppies are one thing. Okay. Puppies yeah. are one thing. Don't, fewer adult dogs, please. Uh, here's what I like more of. More of your beautiful sunsets. Never get tired of yeah. them. Yeah. Right? You're right. And more of your adorable baby pictures. You don't see a lot of babies on there. What? I don't see there's a, a couple lot of people. There's, there's a couple no people that I follow. Oh, man. There's a couple people that I follow that have adorable little babies and they post pictures of them all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's, this one, there's this one child who is the child of... Um, uh, people that I know in New York, I've never met this little boy. I have, I feel like I'm watching him grow up <laughs> via a series of Instagram photos. And I feel, do you as, like them? I do. I, I, <laughs> I do. I like them. Uh, and I feel like I want to say to them, Hey, if I ever don't like a picture of your son, please call the authorities. Cause something has happened. To me. <laughs> it, it would be weird. Uh. I've watched this little boy grow up and I feel weirdly as I, I feel like I'm weirdly related to him, like mm-hmm. I'm his uncle or something. Like I think it's a weird pride in looking at these pictures. Like, oh, look at him! Oh, first day of school, he's riding his little scooter to yeah. work, to Isn't work it- to the to school. He's also got a job <laughs> after school. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny how when I think about it, I have the same feeling with a lot of my friends. Like I really feel like I know exactly what they're up to and what they've been doing, mm-hmm. and I haven't talked to them in a few years, probably. That is a weird thing because uh, I got together with um, a buddy of mine in Austin, uh, and we had we communicate a lot online, and it's like a guy that I that I uh, did not actually know that much in person like I, I met him through friends when i would perform in austin and he's a great guy and then um we ended up corresponding a lot online facebook and twitter and stuff like that and then the first time i went and saw him in in real life again um it was like a little i realized like oh my god i don't i don't quite know what to say because we've only ever been communicating in written sentences mm-hmm. in very short bursts and it was a little awkward the next time it was much better <laughs> I sometimes prefer uh, writ- not written. Well, yeah, like t- I-, I prefer not talking to people on the phone. It's the worst. What, so it, what you is have worse that than too that? Is, well, hate okay, because I, I feel like it's a. I hate it too. In fact, my um, my boyfriend Daniel and I were just talking about the fact that I was saying that this is probably the first relationship that didn't involve a lot of phone calls at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thank God, <laughs> I didn't add the and thank God, but my. It was implied. Yeah. And I'm sure it was inferred. <laughs> right. My wife and I talk about this all the time. Uh, it comes up a lot with people. Um, I think it's people because – People who are upset that you didn't call them back. Yeah. 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 People, who only, <laughs> people who only call and they won't text. If you text them, they will call you back. And it's like you didn't need to – that right. could have been a yes or no text. You did not need to flesh this answer out for me. Right. I think it's because – of uh, cell phones because the the quality of phone yes, calls it is. has gotten so much worse. Yeah, like when when you in the old days when you were on a landline, you could actually feel like you were relating yeah, yeah. and yeah, hearing yeah, yeah. them and I, having a conversation. You could spend hours. yes, you could like both be watching a show and you'd both be on the phone. <laughs> I used to do that all the time. Like you just Absolutely. spend your evening with them on the phone, Absolutely. but on a cell phone, it's just it's. Impossible to yeah. like. All I'm aware of is all the barriers in the way of us communicating. Yeah, 
and you just you just feel like you're yelling, you know. Yes. No matter no matter how much you try to make it a conversational tone, it just you can't. And it's so, so hard so, to fight that urge. And to there's yell. so much like, oh wait, no, no, sorry, you go ahead. Yes, exactly. And yeah. that on the phone, there wasn't always that talking over each other, not hearing thing. Yeah, I did. I did this. I'm not proud of this. I was in the car, so it's a, it's a cell phone call. And technically a speakerphone call because it's coming through the – my phone plugged into the car. So it's mm. coming through the car speakers. Right. So I'm talking to my friend who's also on his cell phone and we're trying to coordinate something. Um, and he is a guy who is uh, very excitable and he's full of ideas. So he's – I we're trying to figure this issue out and he's talking and he just goes on. And so he says something and I realize, well, that's not going to work. So I try to say, well, that's actually not going to work. He can't hear me. Mm. Because he's just talking, and at, at one point he's like going on and on. I'm tr- keep trying to interrupt him, <laughs> and I finally like had to yell, "I am trying to talk to you!" <laughs> and I instantly apologized. But I was I was in a weird white hot rage. It was so frustrating. Yeah, it was so frustrating. Yeah, it's bad news. No, no, it's frustrating when the whole point of being on these devices is to communicate, and you can't. Yes. It's like a but weird I do Twilight love uh, Twitter and my phone. Exactly. So, you know, like it's brought stuff. many things into this into our lives, just not the ability to talk on. Yes, it. we're not trying to be misanthropes. It's not right. like I hate people. Right. It's just like, please don't make me talk to you on a telephone. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, you know what though? Here's something I would like to complain mm. about for just a minute. Not that this is about complaints. Okay. Or about me? I think it's been somewhat about you. No, I mean this. This isn't going to be about me. Oh no, no, no. Oh, okay. No, I'm going to. I would save that for another episode. <laughs> yeah, I wish this. Whole I thought you were suggesting. I, I, I thought I was saying not that this show is about no. complaints, and you were saying or me. And I'm like, okay, we can talk more about you. We will. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show?
This is Corolla Digital.